invite you to turn with me to the book called Mark, <clears throat> one of four biographies of Jesus that we find in the New Testament. We're going to be in Mark chapter 6. While you are um, looking it up or punching numbers into your phone or iPad, um, let me kind of orient you a little bit. I have to stay behind this, don't I? Okay. I'm learning. It's the cord, yeah. Don't cross the line. Let me orient you just a little bit. In, in Mark's biography um, of Jesus, there's something that, that happens that are, is kind of pivotal. Um, first of all, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus calls 12 men to be his disciples. And these are individuals that he wants to spend time with. He wants to um, educate them, train them, teach them certain things so that eventually he can send them out to preach the same things that he's preaching, doing the same types of activities like casting out evil spirits and um, uh, performing miracles and healings and that sort of thing. So the whole idea in, in Mark chapter 3 is that Jesus calls these men for this specific purpose and then for the balance of, next slide please, the balance of chapter 3 and um, chapter 4 and 5, he actually trains those men and it's a fascinating series of vignettes or little stories so that um, his, his men would understand what he was about. And you can track that right through. It's a, it's a really interesting read. And then in chapter 6, he actually looks at his disciples. He says, I give you authority to go and do these things that I've been doing. So he calls them, he trains them, and he actually sends them out in the beginning part of Mark chapter 6. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's, that's kind of the big picture out, out of all of this. And, and so he sends them out, they went out, and, and we're going to pick up the story in just a minute um, about when they returned. Now, what, what's fascinating to me is that the, the next little vignette, the next story, the one that we're going to talk about today is one that if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard a hundred times or more. And, and, and if you haven't heard, you know, just heard it, you've probably seen it in flannel graph if you're, you're, you're like my age, right? And so there's, there's um, this very familiar story. And, and I'm fascinated by this because, you know, I've been doing this for a while. And what, what strikes me about it is that there's always something new to learn. I, I don't know what it is about the scripture, but it seems to me like if I choose to, to drill down and dig a little bit deeper, I learned something new. You know, I, 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 has anybody else experienced that, or is that just me, right? I, I don't know, is it me, because I changed, and all of a sudden something is new, or, well, I don't know, the scripture hasn't changed, because I've seen that story, but there's something that's more meaningful about it, and that's what I find, I find here, because Jesus is about to take his disciples to a whole new level of their understanding of him, and what his mission is on earth, and, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. So, what I'm going to do is, I want to read through um, Mark chapter 6, I'm beginning with verse number 3. 30, and I'm going to try to make some comment as we go along, and then, then we're going to, we're going to um, talk about some ideas that are in here. Okay, so Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 30. So again, remember, he has sent them out. Now, it says, the apostles, the disciples, gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. In some of the other biographies of Jesus, there's a certain amount of excitement Mark is not interested in that. Mark has something else that he's going to teach us here in a moment. 
Okay? So they gathered around him and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest, which is a great idea if you're doing ministry, by the way. Not to just expend yourself so totally that, that you don't have any other energy for more ministry or, by the way, for your family. Don't move. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I'm great. You fixed something. Can you hear me? Do you want me to do this? going out in the background. That's all right. Hey, there we go. Good deal. All right, so let me pick this back up again. Hopefully you'll be able to, to hear everything. Okay, so um, let's pick up on verse 32. So Jesus kind of squirrels them away. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. <laughs> By the way, that's a common occurrence when, when God is up to something. People notice, okay? Just FYI. Verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, I want you to notice something in this passage because this is, this is important. He's, he's trying to take care of his disciples, the men that he's called, the men that he's trained, the men that he's sent out, and now he's attempting to care for them, right? And then he sees the crowd, and it says that he has, what's the word? Compassion. He's compassion on them. The word is going to be important here in a minute. And he began teaching them many things. Now, there's a part of me, when I read stuff like that, I'm like, well, what things? What, 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 what was Jesus teaching right there? And Mark does not specify that. Why? Because it's not important to his story. He's got something else that he's trying to get us to. And Mark is notorious for this. He'll, he'll just keep going and going and going, and immediately Jesus did this, and immediately the disciples did that. And they're just tired reading Mark. Because there's this one thing right after another. And we have that sense here. Yes, he began teaching him many things. Mark says, yeah, it's not important because just wait a minute. Wait till you see what happens next. Are you with me? Okay. Verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day. And um, so the, his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, this is important. This is actually a very reasonable thing. These are the kinds of people that you want around you because Jesus is doing the teaching thing and the disciples are going, hmm, yeah, we're, we're a good distance away from, from any local town and these folks are going to get hungry. Maybe, maybe it would be compassionate for us to just kind of stop things, dismiss them, let them go to Walmart, let them go to a restaurant and get some food, right? 
You didn't know Walmart was in first century Israel? This is a reasonable thing. This is even logical. But look what Jesus says. Jesus only makes three statements in this entire story. Here's the first one. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> now think about this. You know, preacher, you've been, you've been going for a good couple hours now, and, you know, the Baptists have already got the white meat. We've got to make sure there's some food there, so maybe we ought to, you give them something to eat. And look how the, the, the disciples respond. They said to, to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? You can see this, can't you? You've got this group of disciples. They've, they've been with Jesus. Now remember, remember something. They had just gone off and done some amazing ministry themselves. They have come back. They have reported it. Jesus is celebrating with them, trying to give them some rest. And here they are going, um, you want us to spend how much money? To, to, to do what? You want us to go get the food and, and bring, it, bring it to them? Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus never said to them, go and buy food for them. What did he say? You give them something to eat. Now, this is a really subtle difference, but it's profound. He didn't say, go out and buy something and bring it back. Don't go get Chinese takeout. What he said was, you give them something to eat. And so Jesus says to them, I love this, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Three statements. Three statements. You give them something to eat. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. It's a great question. How many loaves do you have? You see, human nature tends to see things in, 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 in patterns or, or we tend to see things in deficiencies, don't we? We look at deficiencies in people. They're not smart enough. They don't look or dress the right way. They don't do the right things. They don't do the same things I do. And the things they do do are not the things that I, that I, 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 I do. And because of that, you know what I mean? We see deficiencies in organizations. We see deficiencies in circumstances. We have a tendency to see deficiencies. Lord, we don't have enough money to go and buy all the food for these people. We tend to see those things. And Jesus kind of cuts through all of that, and he just says, well, how many loaves do you have? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fundamental great question. And, and ultimately, I think he's asking three very important questions. The first one is this. What, what have you got? And the second one is, uh, where are you starting? And third is, what can you do? How, how many times do we, we just make jumps in our own logic when, when sometimes that's not the issue at all, but to simply ask, where are you? Where, where are you starting from? What, what are the things that you can do? I, I don't know about you, but I do this all the time. I, I focus on the things that I really would like to have, but I don't. Instead of focusing on what I can do in the moment. Are you with me? Does this make any sense or am I just preaching myself today? And I talk to people this, about this all the time. And, and if, if only, 
That's usually the marker that something's going on. If only I had. If only I won the lottery. Come on now. I've seen those billboards too. And it starts topping 100 million and you're thinking about stopping at the come and go. <laughs> right? Yeah, it happens. If only, if only. But what can you do? Where are you, you know, where are you starting and, and what, have you, what have you got? And then he says this beautiful, beautiful line. Go and see. In other words, quit drawing conclusions. Quit thinking that this, this is, is limited somehow by your, your circumstances or something else. Go and see what you actually have. Don't try to get somewhere else when you don't know where you are. Have you ever done that? I've told this story before. My wife and I were making a trip to Florida, and uh, um, we were all excited because we were going to Florida. I had never been to Florida at this point. I was 20, I don't know, something years old. Never been to Florida. And we were very excited because um, Lisa's parents were snowbirds, and so we were going to go visit them in Florida. And it was a vacation to Florida. And it was March in Michigan. You understand my excitement. I'll never forget it. We pulled out of our driveway in Grand Haven, Michigan, and I stopped the car, and I pulled back in the driveway, and my wife looks at me like I grew a second head, which I've seen that look before. And she goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, which way do I go? Because <laughs> there was only two ways out of town, and I didn't know which one I was supposed to choose because I'd never been to Florida before, and I was so excited. You know? So how are you going to get somewhere if you don't know where you start? And these are the kinds of things that Jesus is, is, is saying to his disciples. You know, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Go do a little bit of homework. Now, I've been thinking about this for quite some time because um, when you are starting something new, like a church, we know where we want to go. We want to be this life-giving kind of place, but there's still this requirement that we go and see. How many loaves do we have? So we did. It's exactly what we did. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we commissioned a, a study through our partners with Healthy Growing Churches. And um, we took a, a, a map. Let me have the next slide. And the, the green marker right there on the map is Wolf Creek Elementary School, where you are right now. And we drew a three mile radius circle around it. Those of you who are familiar with the area are already looking to see where you live, right? And in that three mile radius, we got quite a bit of information about the people who live inside that circle. I was actually quite astonished by the amount of information we were able to determine. There are 70,500 people who live within that three-mile radius. <laughs> yeah, 70,000 people. And by the way, the, the growth rate um, by, by 2021, uh, the next five years, is supposed to be about 75,100 people. So not only is there a lot of people living here, it's going to grow. In fact, I was talking to... Uh, a guy that I know who's in the commercial real estate business, and he said that there are something like 15 to, uh, two, 1,500 to 2,000 units, meaning homes that are scheduled to be built in just the next couple of years within that circle. So we know that it's, it's growing by, by leaps and bounds. Um, let me tell you a little, about, a little bit about the break, breakdown of this. 
um, these numbers today. Um, boomers, there's about 13,500. Gen Xers, my, gen, my generation, is 20,200. Millennials, 18,200. And Generation Z, these are um, uh, kids who are, I think, 14 years and under. There are 14,800. Now, here's the astonishing thing. That demographic, Generation Z, in the next five years will, will explode to 20,500 in a three-mile radius around this school. That's a lot of crumb crunchers. That's a lot of kids, right? My goodness. The average household income is $84,500 per year. Not too bad. We have a ton of detail. We can tell you what the ethnicity breakdown is. We can talk about property values. We can talk about levels of education. And we can even um, determine, to a certain extent, the major concerns on people's minds. Isn't that amazing? Actually, let's be honest, it's a little scary, isn't it? We're mining big data. That's what it is. But there's one number that um, I want you to focus on. Out of that 70,000 people, there are 20,700 people who are not involved in their faith. Now, I want to make two comments about that. First of all, these are not bad people. It means that they're not involved in their faith. Maybe they're, they're unchurched because their families never went to church. And so it's just not part of their life or their lifestyle. Maybe they're de-churched, means that they've either been burned by church or they're burned out on church or they've just kind of fallen out of the habit of going to church, but they're not involved in their faith at all. 20,700 people. Interestingly enough, that out of that 70,000, another 22,000 are only somewhat involved in their faith. Now, I'm not a math wizard by any stretch of the imagination. I do simple numbers really good, though. 20,000, say 21,000, because I like round numbers. Another 22,000, right? 43,000. That's almost 60% are not involved or somewhat involved in their faith. That's a lot of people. That's a big number. 20,700 people, 20,700 Fruit Loops. Try picking that bad boy up. That thing's heavy. That's a lot of sugar and red dye 40 in there, let me tell you. Some of you know I have a five-year-old. Her eyes get big as dinner plates when she saw that. My 15-year-old said, Dad, why Fruit Loops? I said, because it shows the diversity of people. Thank you, God. <laughs> and the weird part is we went to Walmart and we bought, like, the big bags of the Fruit Loops. And we had, like, seven or eight of them stacked on each other. We're walking down the aisle. And nobody looked at us funny. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's funny. 
But don't lose sight of the fact that there are, there's almost 21,000 people within a radius of this school who are not involved in faith for whatever reason. And another, double this, you put another one of these boxes on top of it, and then you've got people who are only marginally involved in their faith. That's a lot of people. And, and out of this 20,700, there's 5,500 of them who have no interest in faith whatsoever. For whatever reason, they don't, they don't even care. Hmm. And, and here's, the, here's the big question in my mind. That's just in three-mile radius around Wolf Creek Elementary School. What about your neighborhood? What about it? Do you know? Interesting. And here's the challenge, I think, the challenge for all of us. Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. And very much like the disciples, we kind of go, um, yeah, about that. It's not really my personality and giftedness. All my friends already go to church. I'm not comfortable inviting people to church. Let me put, push pause just for a second here because, you know, it's interesting that we, we kind of jump to conclusions. Jesus never said, go invite your friends to church. David says that all the time, but Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, the, the question, of course, and I'm not trying to be flippant on this, the question, of course, is how? How do we do that? How do we make disciples? How do we reach out to 20,700 people within a three-mile radius of Wolf Creek Elementary School? How do we go and make disciples of people in our own neighborhoods? Or, or how do we make disciples of people in our workplaces? And, and how? how? Because I think for the, the vast majority of us, we get the notion of going and making disciples because somebody somewhere took time and invested in us. But how do we do that? And how do we do it in this culture today? Oh, my goodness. It's a challenge. How do we share this life-giving message of Jesus with so many people? Diverse people at that. How are we going to feed all of these people? Because Jesus said, you, give them something to eat. Well, I think the question is pretty obvious. How many loaves do you have already? Let's go back to the implicit questions. Let's go back to the same questions that Jesus asked his disciples, kind of wrapped up and embedded in this idea of how many loaves do you have? Here's the first one. What have you got? What do you have what do you already bring to the table? Well, you have your personality and you have your gifts and you have your skills and even your experience. But you know what God really needs? Your willingness. <laughs> Someday I'm going to learn that. <laughs> you know, maybe when you, when you look at 20,700 people, it overwhelms you. Or maybe it just seems really scary because I don't know all those people and some of them are blue. And some of them are orange and some of them are purple. And clearly I am green. So, right? I mean, 
It's, it's scary. It's overwhelming. It can be all those. And so what, what you have to do is you have to ask God for help. Are you with me? You have to actually ask him to help. And sometimes we have to even back up and say, God, I'm willing to be willing. Help me to be willing. Can, I, can we just be honest about that one? Willingness is one of those things that you might need help with. That's okay. So what, what have you got? Willingness. Where are you starting? Well, if we're going to reach anyone, we need to start exactly where Jesus did. Remember verse 34. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on those folks. Here's, here's the question that I'm wrestling with right now because, um, and, and this is me, maybe you're in a different spot if you are, praise God. Do I really care about people who are far from God? Do I really care? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to try to reach them? Whatever it takes short of sin, of course, to reach them. Am I willing to reach out to 20,700 people within a three-mile radius of Wolf Creek Elementary School? Am I willing to do that? But do I have compassion on them? Because I can have all the willingness in the world, and if I don't care about them, I'm still not going to connect. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. What can you do? That's a lot of folks. What can you do? Well, you can get in your car and go knock on doors. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I understand that. Depending on you and your, and your wiring, um, you can do a lot. Because some of us have certain experiences where this, this, and personality and whatnot. Some of you are going, yeah, I'll hop in a car. I'll go do that. Um, others are saying, no, that's not me. How, how else can we do it? Well, I think we have to understand something very important. First of all, uh, we could have the best... Um, programs and facilities. We could have the greatest systems. We could have the coolest music, and we could have what you know, whatever the the hot trend is right now. We can have all of that stuff, folks. You just need to hear my heart. This is a spiritual issue. This isn't a systems issue. Let me let me tell you about about the team of people who are working to to pull Thrive Church together. They work very hard. They're here early, and uh, we, we, we have briefing staff meetings every Monday and uh, Monday night because that's when people can get together. And we sit down and we talk about how we can, we can make it better, and, and we're working through several issues, and when we are, we're getting better each time we do it. But this is a spiritual issue. I can't strategize or systemize compassion or willingness. That's between you and Jesus. And so the only thing I can think of to help move us in this direction is to start with prayer. And I I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, that's the standard Christian thing. I'm just going to pray about it. Mm, Yeah, I'm with you. I know how that goes. But the truth of the matter is, is we need to sensitize ourselves um, to people um, because that's where God's heart is. 
it's not just some something nice that we read. It's not something that we hear platitudes in church and that kind of thing. It really is about, about God's heart, and, and God's heart is not only on the whole world. He's on people who are far from Him.